Recorded live. That is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. You have your Bibles, your smart tablets, smartphones on which you, on which your word, your, your word of God is held. Please turn to Luke chapter 2. I will be reading from verses 8 through 20. This is our text for this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you have it, say I have it. If you don't have it, say wait up. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from it from from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came and with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. God, our Father, we thank you this morning for your holy word. And we bless you and we give honor to you this morning as we glorify your name. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that has been read in your hearing and in your presence. Now, Lord, we commit the works, our works unto you in order that our thoughts may be established by you. The preparations of the heart belongs to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So, God, we know that it will not be by might nor by power that you deliver your word, that you will do anything in this earth, but it is by your spirit operating through the willing souls of those who humble themselves by faith in Jesus Christ to his work. And so this morning, God, I ask that you move by your spirit in this place. Use me, your humble servant, to speak by your spirit, your word on this morning. It is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray and give thanks. Amen. Last Sunday, I began this two-part message entitled, Two Announcements, the Birth of the Savior. In Genesis chapter 3, we see first man, the first man and woman do something that didn't just affect them. Across millennia, humanity has been paying the consequences of what these two did. Their actions wasn't because of ignorance, that is, a lack of knowledge and its resulting consequences, because they were forewarned both not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and second, the day that they do they would surely die. If we learn nothing immediate from their actions beyond this one observation, it is this. The decisions we make and the actions we take, no matter how seemingly innocuous they may appear, does have an impact on others in some way. 
Therefore, we must always be certain to ask ourselves, what would what will what I do negatively or positively affect me, the people closest to me, and others? Perhaps Eve asked this question in response to Satan when we may eat of the fruits, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So no one could have given an answer this specific unless they had been taught it and that they had time to reflect on it. The reason that the fact that Eve was able to respond the way that she did indicates that not only had this been the first time that she had looked upon the tree and wondered and remembered the words that God says, do not touch, eat, or the fruit of this tree. If you do, you will surely die. So she knew that, and it was well ingrained in her, yet and still. No one, and still she did it. Actions done, listen, Actions done under the cloak of darkness, even if that darkness is broad daylight, is known by at least three people. You and the two victims. The first victim is the person against whom the wrong was committed here on earth. And then, of course, God, who who has specifically warned us not to commit that wrong in his word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you love yourself, if you love your neighbor as you love yourself, then you will take care not to harm them. It was with this backdrop that God first proclaimed the good news, what theologians call the Proto-Evangelion, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and here's the good news. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his feet. See, the woman's seed, capital S, speaks of the Savior and the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Excuse me a second. <clears throat> this is so this is the first in a series of announcements made throughout history about the coming of the Savior of mankind, but in this I only want to talk about two, the immediate before and the immediate after. Last Sunday I ministered on the first announcement, which is the announcement to Mary that she would conceive and bring forth a child. That first announcement was made directly to Mary of Nazareth of Galilee. And the second announcement was made to the shepherds in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. It is this second announcement that I will minister on this morning. So let's go straight to the word here, if we may. From the announcement to Mary, we come to this announcement, the shepherds in the field. Now there was a census decree from Caesar Augustus requiring every person to return to his city of ancestral birth to be registered. Caesar Augustus was appointed to the office. Give me a second here. He was appointed to the office of M- of. Oh man, I'm sorry. Let's give me a moment here, Mike. I'm, I'm a little struggling here with my iPad a little bit here, and it's bothering me. Just give me a moment here, and I will be right back on track. <clears throat> In other words, Caesar Augustus was appointed to the office of commander-in-chief of the Romans' army, forced armed forces by the Senate in 712 B.C., or 27 B.C., rather. And in 23 B.C., he was given the tribunal power for life, which means which meant that he had control over all the popular assemblies and appointed the permanent representatives of the people. He ruled Rome as emperor until his death in A.D. 14. 
this would be the equivalent of our president, albeit with a limitation on the time he or she can serve in that position, that is not more than two four-year terms or eight years max. Of course, the ultimate purpose of the census was so that taxes could be collected. See, Joseph's ancestral birthplace was Bethlehem. This was because he was of the descendant, he was a descendant of David, the second king of Israel. And since Mary was betrothed, then the betrothed is the Greek word nestuo, and it means to be promised in marriage to Joseph. And so Jesus would be born into the into King David's household in Bethlehem. You will find that in Luke chapter one, verses thirty-two and thirty-three, and Rome. Romans chapter 1, verse 3, and then, of course, Micah chapter 2, verse 5, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 2, where it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old and going are from old from everlasting. And then you can also see this repetition here of this reiteration of this word by the author Matthew in chapter 2, verse 16. And this makes, makes Jesus Christ a descendant of David according to the flesh only. So at the time of the decree, Mary was well along in her pregnancy. Nevertheless, Joseph and Mary made their way from Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem, the city of David, some 90 miles for three days' journey at a minimum from, from, uh, from Nazareth. So upon arriving in Bethlehem, they were hard-pressed to find decent quarters to rent. So with there being no suitable human accommodation, they settled in a grotto. Some say it was a building, a, a, a stable or something. But it appears that they lived in, they, 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 the animals were kept in what we call a grotto or a cave near the inn in the company of the livestock that were present in that, in that grotto over there, that covering, that protection, if you will, from the weather. So rather humble accommodations, if you understand my drift. So while in Bethlehem, Mary's turn came to an end, and she delivered our Lord Jesus Christ and wrapped him tightly in, in, in the Greek words, spargano, which is swaddling clothes. That is strips of cloth. So she's laid him in a, fat, a fontaine, or what we call a manger. And a fontaine is a feeding trough for animals. Here we see that the Lord of glory, Savior of the world, entered human life, with humble beginnings. In all that I've read concerning our glorious Lord, never once did I hear him use his humble beginning as an excuse for why he wasn't able to be successful in the things that he undertook in his, life, in his lifetime. Now let's I digest, uh, digress. Let me turn our attention now to the shepherds. Verse 8. The shepherds were hard-working men, humble, humble by, of humble means, who spent countless days and nights tending to their flocks. But the night our Lord was born made this night for the shepherds and us as well, different from all the other countless nights they spent tending their flocks. We observe, number one, the appearance of the angel of the Lord, number two, the state of mind of the shepherds, number two, their comfort, number three, the announcement, number four, number five, or four rather, the shepherd gives the shepherds uh, comfort or rather a sign, the, the, the shepherds receive the sign, and number six, of course, through the heavenly oath, praising the Lord birth. Now let me start here at the shepherds and the appearance of the Lord, angel of the Lord. So out of nowhere, these men saw the angel of the Lord standing in front of them, and the group and the doxa, or the glory of the Lord, enveloping them, causing them to tremble greatly in fear. 
Can you imagine standing in the midst of God's divine brightness while seeing darkness standing at a distance from where you were standing? That's what these shepherds witnessed. It would be like you standing in a dark room and then you turn the light on and that one and that spotlight just shines right there where you are and it'll illuminate everything around you. But outside of that light is just darkness waiting to flood back in to the space that it was dispelled from. And see, that's what the purpose of Christ coming into the earth was all about, to come in and to dispel the darkness in men's hearts in order that they might see the glory of God and, and the wonder of God and want to love him and worship him and serve him. That's powerful because Jesus says, John the Baptist says, I am not that light, but I have come to bear witness of that light. That light was Jesus Christ. That light that came to light the world, the minds of men, the hearts of men. In other words, to cleanse us of the darkness of this foul world and open unto us the glorious wonder of who God is and shining that in our hearts, the darkness in our hearts to be dispelled in order that we might come to know him and worship him and honor him and serve him. So that's what these shepherds witnessed, that darkness dispelled and the glory of God, oh, hallelujah, shining round about them. And then we, next we see the state of mind of the shepherds. Listen, we are told that they were terrified. Literally, they were quaking in their boots. They, they had great fear. It wasn't and it was it was an intensive fear. I mean, very intense. That's uh, you gotta love this. So it was also a noticeable fear. Have you ever been? Have you ever looked at somebody and seen how scared they were just by looking at them? They didn't have to say anything, but you just look at them and you can see the fear written all over their faces. And this is what these men were like. And so. That's why the angel next comforted them with words. He said, listen, he said, it is the person of sound mind. Listen, it is the person of sound mind who recognizes the Lord and do show him reverence. It is the idiot, it is the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. But when you recognize the glory of God, you cannot help but reverence him, fear him with profound fearness. And you want to worship him and honor you will fall before him uh, because you cannot stand before a holy God. Though he was, though he who stood before the men was a created being who, like themselves, were also created, yet brightness, the brightness of God's presence enveloping his angels and them caused the men to tremble in fear. While every living thing must fear God, God has a way of calming our fear. Uh, see, that fear is a healthy thing when it comes to God. Uh, so the angel comforted the men with the words, do not be afraid. And I can't help but think that it was the, it was the calmness of his voice, as the voice of God speaking through him, that gave them the peace in their hearts. And, and that's where we always want to be with God because, see, when God is in your heart, no matter the, the troubles and the, and the trials and the storms that may be raging around you, the Bible says God will give you that peace that passes all understanding that will keep your hearts and mind by Christ Jesus. He will keep you, Isaiah 26 and 3, he will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on him. And the problem with many of us is that we get so caught up with the issue, with the, the thing that causes us great distress, that we push God out of the picture. We must learn to, whenever we find ourselves in a pickle, in a trial, in a struggle, whatever that thing might be, that when we give it to God, cast your care upon me because I care for you. God, when you give it to him, your yoke, Jesus, and take on Jesus' yoke. Your yoke, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is like the problem. Then falls on the weight of the problem, then rests upon God who is able. Oh, glory to God. 
He is able to keep us. He's able to stand, to withstand whatever comes against us. He gives his angels, Psalm 139 says, charge over you to bear you up in their hands, to keep you in all your ways, to bear them, bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. He says, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you can declare that you, of God, that he is your refuge and your fortress, your God in whom you trust. God wants you. Oh, glory. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to be patient with him. He wants you to give it all to him and step back, no matter how difficult it might be, but give it to him and just pray and wait on him. Psalm 37 says, do not fret yourself because of evildoers or because those who don't work as of iniquity, but soon they will be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And that's what we need to learn to do. And then there came the announcement from the angel when Gabriel stood before Mary and made the first announcement that she, a virgin, would conceive and give birth to the Son of God. Regarding this second messenger, no name was given. However, the information, the description of his appearance, the shepherd's reaction, and his message are sufficient evidence that he was sent from God. He proclaimed the arrival of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I bring you, he says, you angelizo. And that word you angelizo in the Greek is that, that, that word good tidings or good news of great joy, which will be to all people. And listen, I love this because it says which will be to all people. That means Jews and Gentiles alike. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. doesn't matter your skin color. doesn't matter your hair texture. doesn't matter what kind of clothes you wear, how your breath smells, how your underarms smell. God is not concerned with that because he's looking at your soul, and it is your soul that is dark. It is your soul that is stinking. It is your soul that is nasty, and God wants to free you and cleanse you. Uh, like the prophet Zechariah standing, uh, standing in. Well, let me let me move on here uh, before I uh, before I get off off track here. The point is, God sent His Son for all people, and this is what the angel said: "For is that will be great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Glory, God." which is Christ the Lord. Now, on December 25th, tomorrow to be exact, uh, over 2,000 years ago, our Lord was born in Bethlehem. Of course, we don't know the exact date definitively, but the general consensus is that the birth of Christ occurred on December 25th, and that is why we celebrate his birth on that date, which, again, is tomorrow. Notwithstanding, the most important point is this, that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, stepped down from glory into the abyss of human existence to save those who would put their faith in him. Now, that's good news. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. But notice what the angel said next. Not only does he declare the birth of our Lord, but he gives the shepherds a semeon. And a semeon is a detailed description of a person or thing that will make it readily recognizable upon sight. In this case, the angel told the shepherds where to go to find Jesus and what to look for. Some people can't give clear directions to save their lives. And yet, but on but what this angel spoke led the shepherd directly to our Lord. And this will be the Simeon or the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in Spartano, and that is swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. This is beautiful. Now, this doesn't mean that he gave them the address 
but he simply said that he was born that night, and he's in a, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling cloths, or or spargan, no, uh, lying in a manger. And so they left. So and so that's what he told them. And then look what happened next. I, I love I love what happened next because any time you know the little song. Oh how I love the name Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. And then I love that name. And so that name is so precious and so pure and so wonderful that the heavenly host began praising the Lord's birth. Listen, what is this? And when the Uangalizo, when the good news had been proclaimed by the angel of the Lord, he was joined with glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill, peace and goodwill toward men. Job 83, 38 and 7 says of the angels, when the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. And the angels sang with God, when God created all things, he went out of nothing, he created all things, is now singing at the beginning of a new creation. And see, when Christ, when God first created creation, made creation, if the angels began to sing, and now we have a new creator, a new creator, Jesus Christ. And when he came into the world, this new creation came into the world, the host of angels began to worship and to sing. And that's good news, because if they can worship and sing the Lord, sing to the Lord, who are we that we should deny the Lord his rightful honor and praise and, and worship? The entire of God's purpose, of the plan of salvation, is to glorify God. Ephesians 1 and 6, 12 and 14 says this, to the praise and the glory of his grace, that he, that we who first trusted in Christ should be, should be to the praise of his glory. In verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession is to the praise of his glory. Everything should be to the praise and the glory of God. If you drink a glass of water, give God glory for it. When you sit down and eat a meal, give God glory for it. If you're able to put your clothes on by yourself, give God glory. If you're able to speak a word, give God glory. If you're able to drive a car, give God glory. If you wake up in the morning and your mind, you're clearing your mind and you know what you want to do, give God glory. Everything should be to the praise of the glory of God. Hallelujah. It is because God's glory. Now see, why is it necessary to place emphasis on God's glory? That is a good question. It is because God's glory has once dwelt in the tabernacle. You see, God never leaves his people unprotected. God is always near his people. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the Apostle Paul, speaking in the Areopagus in Acts chapter 17, so why are you feeling after him? For he's not far from any of us. God is there with us no matter where we go. Isaiah says it this way, when you go through the water, I will be with you. When you go through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither will the flames kindle upon you, because I am the Lord your God. So God is always there with us. Always, never ever leaving us, nor forsaking us. Hebrews 13 and 5, and then Joshua chapter 1, you'll find I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Come on now. Don't miss it. Why is it necessary to place emphasis on God's glory? Because God's glory had once dwelt in the tabernacle. When the children of Israel walked out and God spoke and said, I want you to build. Exodus 25, look at it, take up an offering because I want you to build me a tabernacle. And then God proceeded to give him everything that he needed for his tabernacle, and he gave him the dimensions of how to build his tabernacle. The second thing is because and he was not only in the tabernacle, which was a mobile structure that they broke down and, and, and packed up and moved every time God moved them as they walked through the wilderness, but even in the temple, those, those, those stationary structures, that was stationary structure. God was present there. And then, of course, and then, but he departed. This is why the glory of God is so important. Because when you disrespect God, 
when you ignore God, when you do your own thing, when you exclude God from any of your life or all of your life, the glory of God will depart. Ichabod. The glory of the Lord of the Lord has departed. God will not stay where he's not wanted. That's important for us to understand. You have to understand what it means to God. Let me ask you a question. If your if your spouse abused you and mistreated you all the time, would you stay with her or him, or would you at some point get up and get out because you get tired and fed up with the abuse? Well, see, when we ignore God, when we turn our backs on God, God's glory departs from us, and we are left unprotected. It is the glory of God that is keeping us. Even though we're going through trials and struggles, if the glory of God has left us, departs from us, it would be a heck of a lot worse than what we're going through at the time that we have that problem. And so God's glory departed because of Israel's sin. Now, God's glory was returning to the earth in the person of his son. That lowly manger was the holy of holies because Jesus was there. Uh, see, we saw the holy of holies just in the tabernacle and just in the temple, but wherever Jesus is, if he's in your heart, and he's truly in your heart and established in your heart, your heart is his holy of holies, and that's where God is. And you can go into your heart, and you can commune with Christ, and you can give glory to God when you go into your heart, the holiest of holies. You don't have to worry about a priest going in for you now. Jesus is already there. And he's more and much better than the human priest. I'll never forget the one morning, that one morning while driving to work, I began singing this song. Something good is going to happen to you, happen to you this very day. And all of a sudden, I heard the most beautifully beautiful voices singing. Needless to say, it startled me. I believe God allowed his holy choir to join me in praising him that morning. I've never heard a choir with voices as pure as those voices that joined me that morning. Here's the clincher. I was driving in a Jeep Wrangler. I had a rag top, and I did not have a radio or a CD player. It was just me singing, and then all of a sudden, I heard this wonderful choir joining in. God has a way of showing up when you least expect him to and letting you know that he's got your back, that he loves you, that he's there to care for you. Next, the shepherd's visit. Immediately upon the angel's departure, the shepherds went to Bethlehem. Don't miss this. See, the reason the shepherds left tending their flock and went into Bethlehem is because they believed the message of the messenger. Today, too many people don't believe in anything. They think that you're trying to get over them. They think you're trying to lie. When the preacher stands up and the preacher is preaching, don't, they don't want to believe it. They don't want to hear it. They want to do the fake news thing. Not everything is fake news. The word of God is not fake news. The word of God is the truth. It is the truth upon which all things are established. So, they left their flock. It doesn't say that they had workers working and watching over their flock. They just left everything. Now see, when you leave everything, Jesus says, he who, does, who loves father and mother and sister and brother and house and money and all that stuff more than me, you are not. You cannot be a part of him. You got. You have to let all that stuff fall to to, to uh, nothingness and let him rise to importance. John the Baptist says, "I must decrease in order that he might increase." It's important to understand when you give way to Christ. We have to give way to him and give way to the Spirit of God. They believed that this word came directly from the Lord. There was no doubt in their hearts. Listen to what they said. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Every person 
who says, God, I mean, it just comes to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. There was no doubt in their mind. Thus says the Lord. No doubt in their mind. And, and, and that's, a, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing to me. Though it may have been the norm for them, it's amazing to me. Because we speak that word today, and everybody doesn't want to hear it. I remember being on the street trying to share the gospel, and one guy said, man, get that. I want to hear that blankety, blankety, you know, F, F, F stuff. The hardness up there, the hardness of people's hearts. You have you have people in your own family, they'll say, yeah, right, right, uh-huh. Yeah, I hear you, man, I hear you. And the, yeah, you, I know you're right, but they don't want to have anything to do with Christ. They don't want to have anything to do with God. They'll find every excuse in the book. And to do something else, to find someplace else to go and say, "Oh, I'm too tired," and yet they'll get up from the, they'll, yet they'll get off of work for working five days straight, working five, 20, 40, 50 hour weeks, 50 hour days, and then jump up and, and run out Friday night and party and, and Saturday night and party again. But then when it comes to getting up on Sunday morning, man, I need to rest. I got to work tomorrow. But they don't give any thought to Christ. Sad. The one that keeps your heart pumping blood, the one that keeps movement in your limbs, the one that keeps thought flowing through your mind, the one that allows you to get up and dress yourself, Jesus Christ, you're the reason, he's the reason that we're able to do what we do. And yet we don't find time to give to him. Amen, I don't believe that mess. Okay, don't believe it. Now, I see that they had absolutely no doubt while I cannot vouch for every person who says God said, I can tell you that my motivation for preaching God's word is that first I was called. This was the farthest thing from my mind. I never even considered this. But it was God moving in his time by his wisdom. Paul said something so important in Galatians. God and Paul says in, 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 the, in the fullness of time, God, at my mother's birth, and my mother brought me from my mother's womb, called me from my mother's womb to preach Jesus Christ. And I believe, having received this call, that the same applies to me. It took me time to get there, but God did call. Get up. Get on your knees. You are my pastor, and you're going to bring millions to me. I have no alternative, my brothers and sisters, but to serve God or die. I remember one time saying, God, if you're not going to use me, take the breath from my body and let me come home right now. That's the passion that I have for God. That's where my heart lies. I don't care what other people say. My heart and my focus and my purpose is to serve my God and to give him the glory in any way that I can. I don't know about you, but I have no other desire to be but to serve God through proclaiming his divine word by the authority of Jesus Christ under the anointing of his Holy Spirit. The offering I ask for in church after service, after the sermon, are for so that one day we will be able to equip people and send them throughout the earth to proclaim the Evangelion or the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice what happened to these guys, these shepherds. Number one, they went. The shepherds went to Bethlehem in a hurry. Number two, they found. In other words, they had to, they to find implies the shepherds diligently searched for that which was proclaimed and declared, described to them. And the true and true to the word of God's messenger, they found the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And number three, look at what they did. They proclaimed. The shepherds became the first evangelists following the Lord's birth. They did not keep it a secret, but rather they made it widely known, made widely known, rather, the saying which was told them concerning the child. See, not only did they repeat what was told to them, which is what we are called to do, which is what God sent his prophets to do, what God sent his apostles to do, and what God called his children to do. Jesus himself gave us the word is to speak to the people in the earth. He says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, Go therefore and make the 
disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. And look, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So they told, they parroted what they were told. But then on top of doing that, they even verified that what they were told that they saw and experienced with their own eyes. Glory to God. See, you have to have a testimony, not just, a, not just you, 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 your testimony. And see, their testimony is that we heard, we sought out, we found, and now we saw, and now we tell you what we have experienced for ourselves. When, you're, when you have an experience of God, where God has brought you from, you can testify to the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in your life. And when you do that, my brothers and sisters, nobody may not want to hear it, but the truth remains the truth no matter who it is you're telling it to because it happened to you. It's your testimony, and nobody can take that away from you. What does it say? That, what is the... Uh, what, what, what is the uh, United Negro College Fund? What do they say? A, a, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. A testimony, my brothers and sisters, is a terrible thing to waste. God has done it in your life. Tell somebody. Don't just hold on to it. Tell somebody. And so they proclaim that which was told them concerning the child. And look what they did next. Look what happened next. They went to the people, and the people they told, the reaction of the hearers. But all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. The word marvel means the people were tomazo. Uh, and that word tomazo means they were amazed at what the shepherds were proclaiming. Can you imagine waiting 42 generations where each generation of Jews were taught about the coming of the Messiah and then being the generation who get to hear of his arrival and witness the presence among them? Listen, here's the kicker, though. They just heard, and they just marveled. But the hearing and the marveling, the amazement that they experienced, they, 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 they conceived in their minds, did not motivate them to go seek out the Lord. Oh, God, what good is having books around your house and you don't read them? What good is knowing that the Lord is present in our, in our world and we don't go to him? What a waste. What a waste. We struggle and we go through all kinds of trials and we cry and we, we get angry and we hate people and we do all that stuff and we plot the way to go after people when all we have to do is cast our cares upon God. All we have to do is forgive people and move on with our lives. See, they're going to move on. My wife and I were talking about this uh, this week. You get angry with people and they get angry and they move on And you, while you're still seething over there what they did to you. They have forgot about you and gone on about their lives. They're living their lives. They're living large and you're still walking around with yesterday's mess in your mind holding you back. No, 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 no. You want to free yourself. When, when Jesus came into the world, he came that he might free you. Matthew to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to set us free. Free from the sin and the guilt of our past. God have mercy. Oh, I love him. I love him. One day, says the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, gives us another Simeon or sign. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Although that's the, that's the theological uh, statement, declarative, and uh, that's the theological declarative, simply means that 
one day. This is all where we know life right now is all going to come to an end. And those who are in Christ will live. The ones who die while they're in Christ will be raised from the dead first. And then we who might be alive will be caught up with them in the clouds. And then we will be with the Lord in heaven, in the air. And we will live for eternity. You see, don't miss this. It's appointed for every man. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 25, I believe it is. It's appointed for every man to die once, and then the judgment. You see, what we don't realize is that we are born twice, and we can die twice. We are born in this natural body, and then we are born again through faith in Jesus Christ. When we die in this natural body as Christians, we live in eternity. Indeed, we are already seated in heavenly places with Christ by virtue of Christ being our Savior and our Lord. But those who have rejected him, they are, they are not in heaven, but they have one foot in hell while they have one foot on earth. And when they die without Christ, then they're going to die of second death, which is the spiritual death. Yet you and I will live for eternity if Christ Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. Now, let me conclude this, conclude this way. The scripture describes Mary's response to the shepherds only that Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. Nothing about Joseph, only about Mary. And see, can you imagine what was really going through Mary's mind? First, she thought about her encounter with Gabriel nine months earlier, her conception of the Holy Spirit nine months earlier, the effect of her visit to her, her relative Elizabeth, how that Elizabeth being the young childbearing age, yet six months pregnant with John the Baptist, John leaping in Elizabeth's womb when he heard the voice of the mother of his Lord. Elizabeth's response and prophetic utterances and blessings upon Mary while filled with the Holy Spirit, and then Mary's Magnificat, and that is, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Can you imagine what Mary was thinking? It was, did not, and even though she knew that she, was, that she carried and gave birth to the Son of God, oh, glory, she was still amazed at all the things that were beginning to unfold in her life because she was chosen. You and I, my brothers and sisters, are chosen. We're chosen, and we have been impregnated with the Spirit of God by our faith in Christ. And we've been impregnated with the living Word. And it is up to us to give birth to this Word. And we cannot give birth to this Word. And we allow the world to keep the Word down and keep us in fear of telling the Word. God is, uh, no matter how many people in the world may come against you, God is more than the world against us. Can't remember that. But hold on to it. I know it's not easy, but it's doable. So, mm, many people get into great debt because trying to prove that they love someone or are grateful for someone. If throughout the year you have proven your love and commitment to your spouse then there, and, and your children, then there is a serious problem without thinking. See, the guilt you feel isn't from God. It's from what you've been conditioned to think and believe. And you will fight that tooth and nail. No matter who you, no matter who anyway, Christmas ain't about you buying a bunch of gifts and going into debt. They don't want to hear that because because that's what they know, and they don't want nobody telling them how to spend their money or, or how to save their money. It's their money they work for. They're gonna do whatever they want to do. That's why it's their debt, and that's why their stomachs are tied up in knots, and that's why they can't they can't they, their hair is falling out and. They're getting sick because they're so worried because of all the debt they're in. Because they're under this 
false assumption that Christmas means going out and going broke to pay somebody, to buy something for somebody that you do something for all year. You love them. You show them you love them. You serve them. You do all these things, and yet you don't love them on one day if you don't give them something. God, life's got to be more than natural than, than physical stuff. It's, life is not about toys and all these different things that one day are going to fall apart. You want it now, and then the next day you don't want it because it's so easy. You have no longer any interest in it. No, no, no. There's more to life, my brothers and sisters, than stuff. The whole purpose of Jesus' coming is to free us from the world's imposition of guilt upon us because we don't live our lives according to the world's standards. Christmas is about hope. Hope is the expectation of being free from sin's power the guilt of our past through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, and it is about being about having death abolished in our bodies. Jesus offers all people, far enough, the gift of eternal life. He offers you the gift of freedom and relationship with God. If you want the assurance of knowing what will become of you when you die, the physical death, Come to the altar. Jesus says, if you're on the phone, if, you, if you're on our conference line, or if you're on talkshoe.com, wherever you are, if you hear this message, if you don't have Christ Jesus in your heart as your Savior and your Lord, come now to the altar. Come now to the altar. Give your life to Christ. Jesus says, I come that you might have life, that you might have it to the full. This is what we call eternal life. There is no other name given in the heaven whereby men must be saved. It is Jesus Christ and him alone. God only and not man has established the path to salvation and eternal life. Jesus Christ, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except they come through me. See, God has one, one point of entry to him. He has a chain of command. And that command comes from you straight to Jesus Christ and from Christ to him. You can't get to God any other way. I know that there are many people out there saying you can do this and do that. No, 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 no. That's wrong. You can only come through Christ. And I said in, my, in the first part of my sermon on, verse on last Sunday, Listen, God chose 40 men, 39 Jews, and one, one Gentile, Christian, by this time, to write the Bible. And it took over 1,500 years. God took 50, 40, over 40 men, over 1,500 years, to, to be filled with his Holy Spirit and guided by his Holy Spirit in recording everything that God wanted us to have before us to assist us in living a life that he expects of us to live. He didn't do it. And, and so, listen, we must understand that the way to God is through Christ. The way to Christ is by faith. The way to faith is by the gospel, hearing of the gospel. Romans um, 10 and 17 says, Therefore, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You heard this message today. And you want to give your life to Christ. I encourage you today as we prepare to celebrate the birth of our Lord. Nearly 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, today, let me hear you say, I want to give my life to Christ, no matter where you are. Repeat after me. Dear God, I am a sinner. Can I save myself? I believe that you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin that he was buried, 
and that he rose from the dead three days later alive. Dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. And I promise you, from this point forward, I will seek to serve you in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, then you are no longer a child of the world. You are are a child of the kingdom of God. And the Christ Jesus, our Lord, has stepped into your heart, and the inner chambers of your heart has become the holy of holies because Jesus Christ, the high priest, eternal high priest, is situated in your heart now. And not only that, but he says, if you thirst and you come after him, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. In other words, he has given unto you this very day your, in your body, the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that will guide you and will bring to your remembrance everything that Jesus has taught in his word. And he will teach you the word of God and help you to understand. Proverbs 16 and 3 says this, Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Give everything, your heart, your thoughts to God. Seek him in everything that you do, and God will establish you. He will help you bring it to pass if it does not violate his word, if it does not cause God to be a part of something that is, un, that is, that is not right, that is illegal, that is false, that is bad, because God does not participate in mess. He's the God of order, the God of integrity. And integrity is simply this. My mom and I were talking about that this week. The word integrity is doing the right thing, whether or not anybody is around to see what you're doing. It's not important that people see what you're doing. You do it because it's the right thing to do. You know it's right. So, let me ask you this question. After hearing this word, there may be one, and you're without the Lord Jesus Christ. God is ready right now to turn your situation around. To the man, to the woman, to the boy, to the girl, the question is this. If God were to call you right now, can you honestly say that you're ready to go and be with the Lord? If not, if I were you, I'd make that decision today. Secondly, if you, if the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you to become a part of Jesus Christ's ministry global, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home on my way to my heavenly home. Then we welcome you. Thirdly, if you are a backslider and you want that joy restored in your life, I'm here to tell you he will restore the joy. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He will do it, and he will do it now. If you are if you are in need of prayer, let me know that. Let me hear your voice, and I'll be happy to pray with you. In any of these areas, you're welcome to come. God, our Father, I thank you today that I have read your word. I have ministered under the anointing of your Holy Spirit, and I bow to you now, God, and I commit my works to you. I ask that you move in the hearts of those who heard your word on today, God. I ask, God, that you will show yourself strong in their lives. As they come together, as they gather tomorrow, Lord God, uh, for Christmas, to celebrate Christmas, let them celebrate this, Lord God, that the reason for the season is the birth of Christ Jesus our Lord the Savior of the world, coming into the earth to free men from the guilt of their sin, their past, and to free them from eternal death and all crush them into the promised eternal life through faith in him. God, I thank you this morning for all that you have done and all that you say. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it is offering time, it's time to worship the Lord in our giving. This morning, as we prepare to give, we want to give cheerfully, for the Bible says God loves 
the person who gives cheerfully and will generously provide all you need, then you will always have plenty left over to share with others. Uh, our ushers will serve you at this time. Thank you. 